Hi, this is Derwin James, and you listen to the Chargers Podcast Network. What's up, guys? Welcome to a virtual Zoom Beat Writers Roundtable. Chris Avery, Haley Elwood, Daniel Popper of The Athletic, Jason Hirschhorn, Sports Illustrated, Gil Manzano, Southern California News Group, and I think... We're expecting one Jeff Miller, LA Times, going to pop in probably at any minute. Guys, it's been a, uh, a strange couple of weeks. I hope everybody's staying safe, staying at home if you're listening to this. Um, let's just start there. How have these last two weeks been for you guys as folks who've covered a number of different sports, a number of different teams? Um, this is kind of the new normal now, Daniel. Yeah, it's obviously been a little weird, eerie scary um you know it's it's a difficult time for everyone as as we sort of enter these unprecedented waters um as far as like the nfl it hasn't really changed it's been sort of business as usual obviously it's the off season and, and while there's been some hiccups as far as getting physicals done and that sort of thing for the writers it's been sort of normal for for other sports it's been weird i know at the athletic we have you know baseball writers that are missing the start of the season opening day was supposed to be yesterday basketball obviously stopped and you know down the home stretch of the season um so the you know it's been a a little bit of a whirlwind trying to figure out for those guys and, and women, you know, what they're going to write, what they're going to talk about. Um, but we've been doing our best and more importantly, just looking out for our loved ones and, and trying to stay in contact with everybody, stay safe, you know, stay home and do the social distancing policies to, to the best of our abilities to prevent the spread of this thing. Yeah. What about you, Jason? Yeah. I mean, a lot of what Popper said is true for our sport in particular, while this is a, a busy time, it's a time that we usually spend at home covering things remotely, talking to agents, talking to team contacts. So that part of it really hasn't changed all that much. It's everything outside of that, you know, not leaving your apartment very much other than to go to the grocery store, but everyone here I'm sure is dealing with some version of that right now. Gil, I'm sure you can echo all that. Yeah, same thing for me. It's, it's kind of weird because right, maybe right now we will we'll be meeting in person in Costa Mesa to get to meet Chris Harris and Limbaugh Joseph uh, and all those guys, Trey Turner, all the new guys. And you know, we're here talking in a video chat, so it's kind of weird. But for the most part, we've been working from home. But kind of been tough kind of being away from your family, your loved ones. So you got to do your part. You got to stay home. But so far, it's been okay. And by the way, we got to give Gil a happy birthday shout out. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday, Thursday, <laughs> Happy right? birthday, Gil. Yeah, so thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, I'm trying to stay 21 forever, but uh, that's not the case. So uh, I am 31 now. Yeah. You know, Haley, Haley, we have talked over the last couple of weeks. I, I think mm -hmm. free agency has provided a little bit of respite for fans in terms of just getting something to be excited about for the upcoming season. And uh, let's just get right into free agency. Um, the Hang on, we're, yeah. getting, we're getting a pop oh, in right on. now. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Jeff Miller. Is he here? Jeff Miller. Oh, it says connecting think to audio. I think he's connecting. He'll in, yeah, he'll be in in like a second. Oh, you know what? He, <laughs> he looks so happy to see us. So thrilled. <laughs> Jeff! Jeff, what's up, Jeff? Hey, hey Haley. There she yeah. is. Oh, there he is. Hey, what's up, buddy? <laughs> There's Chris. What's going on, guys? Good. We, uh, we've already started. We're three minutes into this thing. Of course we did. You know... The reality of that is, I've got to be honest with you, I just like making dramatic appearances and entrances. <laughs> so that's what this is it's all true. about. I'm not Entirely true. That's, that's all this is. Jeff, you've been a, uh, a very decorated sports writer over the years. We were just talking about the, the last two weeks and just how kind of eerie it's been for, for everybody, having to stay at home. Um, have you ever 
I guess, can you really compare this to anything you've covered before? Yeah, I mean, 9-11 after that, you know, we all went through a, a period there, there, there was, wasn't much. It wasn't nearly as long as this is going to be. But uh, really, that's the only thing. Uh, other than that, you know, in our, in our lifetimes and in the lifetimes of these leagues, not just the NFL, but Major League Baseball, and nobody's really been through anything like this. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a day-to-day existence, and we, we wake up every day and try to figure out how to get through this day, and then we, we get up the next day and do it again. That's right. That's right. Haley, I want to get your overall reactions to what uh, the Chargers have done a free agency. Before we get into the individual guys that the team has agreed to terms with, uh, your thoughts on what Tom and company have done to really kind of solidify this roster? You know, this is a team I think I'm going into my seventh season now. And if you follow the Chargers and you hear from Chargers fans on Twitter, it's what are they going to do in free agency? Will they do anything? And I think to have five guys initially off the bat, that's pretty bold. And, and I think you can see sort of positions and certain parts of positions, I guess, sort of being remade in the image of free agency and adding to the guys that they already have. I mean, I know you said we won't go into, you know, new guys right now, but look at just the right side of the offensive line. And we can, I guess, maybe sort of segue there by adding Trey Turner, by adding Brian Balaga. Literally, that's, you know, it was a roller coaster for the Chargers over the last year, for sure, with injuries happening, young players needing to step up. You add a guy like James Campen, who spent over a decade with the Green Bay Packers, played for the Packers, ended up coaching with Cleveland last year and now coming here and sort of maybe remaking that line in his image. Jason, I'll throw to you because I know you've had some experience covering the Packers, but we've obviously known about Trey Turner, but adding Brian Balaga, what will he add to this Chargers offensive line? Well, besides just securing right tackle, presumably right tackle, we should say, mm-hmm. it's also about the buy-in with James Campen. I think you made a very yeah. good point of that because Campen has been one of the better offensive line coaches in the NFL for a while. And one of the things that he does that is so unique amongst offensive line coaches is he doesn't decide there's one way I want all my offensive linemen to block and make everybody conform to that. He allows his, his offensive linemen to have a lot more freedom. Like in Green Bay, Josh Sitton would just take several more steps back than a traditional offensive guard would and just basically catch pass rushers coming into him. But because of his anchor, he could do that. With David Bakhtiari and Balaga there, he also let them use their hands a little more freely than you see with offensive linemen. Some of them would go to the shoulders. Some of them would go inside. They would switch it up. And that's the kind of thing that you're going to see with the Chargers this year. You know, it's not something that's going to pop when you're watching the game on the broadcast, but it's really going to free up these offensive linemen to do what they are most comfortable with. And having Blaga there really just to you kind of communicate that to the other guys there I think is going to be of great value to Los Angeles yeah Bulaga 31 years old uh, 111 starts in 10 seasons and next to him Trey Turner entered the league when he was 20 years old five Pro Bowls in six seasons um, Gil your reaction to Trey Turner and just kind of piggyback off what Haley's saying the right side of this offensive line instantly remade now. Yeah, I know the games haven't been played yet, but on paper, it might be the best right side to an offensive line in the NFL. Uh, Trey Tanner Turner is only 26 years old, and as you mentioned, five consecutive Pro Bowls at right guard. Uh, Brian Bulaga, I think he's been starting for 10 years, and I think he started his entire career. Uh, so that, that tells you how much experience they have on the right side. But, yeah, it's, it's a brand-new right side. Uh, I'm still wondering about the other side, but that right side is very good. And, uh, and for whoever's a quarterback, the starting quarterback, I'm still going to appreciate that side. 
Jeff, what did you think of Trey Turner when we had him on the phone for a few minutes last week? First off, Gil, are you rocking just a solo stack? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I started, so bold. I started watching Parks and Rec. So, you know, I'm watching a lot of TV right now. <laughs> Good show. And I want to try it out. I love it. I love it. Thank uh, you. Yeah, you know, uh, I, one thing I want to say about the offensive line, um, I think it's clear, you know, we asked all, all of us, you know, on this, on this uh, call here, on this, on this, inter, this meeting, whatever we call these things, we all asked. <laughs> Popper, it's, be a zoom. Quiet. it's a Zoom. It's be a quiet, Zoom. Popper. The, uh, <laughs> we, all, uh, uh, we all asked questions all season about the offensive line. And, and because we knew, everyone knew they weren't, you know, they, I don't think they were atrocious last year, but they were very inconsistent. And I think that really played into why Phillips struggled. And now we're, we're seeing what the Chargers are doing. They've done a ton on their offensive line, and they're, and they're not done. I think they're still going to probably add another guy or two. And I think one thing I want to say is we, we asked a million different ways. We asked Phillip about this a million different ways. He never blamed the offensive line, right? He always talked about they want to do well. They work hard, you know, and, and the fact that they, they care so much is really important. Well, obviously, everyone in that room, in that building, rather, knew that that was, that was a shortcoming, a clearly shortcoming. And now Tom Telesco has made a couple of big moves, I think, to shore that up, you know, bringing in a new coach, all that stuff. They're addressing what, what you know, with their moves, they're addressing what they wouldn't tell us, you know, but we all kind of knew is that the offensive line needed help and they needed to be – needed to be bolstered and and they they appear to have done that I'm, I'm not going to stand here and pretend like I I know a lot about offensive line play I you know you, you look at the two guys they brought in everyone speaks highly of them so it, there's no question they've upgraded and and uh you know they they uh they, they seem like offensive line types I've heard a couple interviews of both of them we had turn around the call and you know they're very offensive line type type guys you know they're not uh, it's all about the team and the and fitting in and, and doing your part. And so uh, I, I think it's, uh, uh, I, I think it's their steps forward. And I think it's, it's worth acknowledging that, that, the, that, you know, the Chargers did a good job last year and not throwing these guys under the bus and, and just, you know, and, and kind of trashing, you know, guys who were trying hard, but just, just weren't in a position to, to, to give the protection and open the holes that this team needed. Haley, I want to let you tee up Chris Harris Jr. in a second, but before mm -hmm. we do that, Popper, real quick, the offensive line with James Camp and coming in, some of these young guys, right? Trent Scott, Trey Pipkins. Um, you, you hope Forrest Lamp can come back from injury and contribute. Scott Quisenberry came in for Mike Pouncey. What do you think Campen's impact is going to be on the guys who are currently on the roster? We talked about that left side, but obviously when you draft a guy like Trey Pipkins in the third round, you're hoping he's going to become an eventual starter in the NFL. Well, that's really been the biggest issue with, with you know, the, the offensive lineman that Tom Telesco has drafted. It's not like he hasn't invested draft capital in offensive linemen. He's, he's done it frequently. The problem is these guys haven't developed to the point where you'd expect them to. And I think that was the driving force behind going out and, and hiring a guy like James Campen, who has a proven track record of turning not just early round picks, but late round picks into mm -hmm. successful starting offensive linemen. Um, you know, that's the interesting thing with the left side. It's like, you know, everyone inside the building loves Trey Bimpins, you know, they like what he showed when he was in games last season, even though they didn't want him in games. They feel like he can develop into a starting left tackle. So does it make sense to sign a potential left tackle to a long-term deal? Does it make sense to draft another left tackle when you feel like you have one in the building that can develop into that? 
The problem is you need to have competition there and you need to have a backup plan in case Trey Pipkins doesn't progress the way you want him to. And that's why, and I echo what everyone else has said here, you know, you expect even another move. But one last thing on the offensive line in general. Telesco, Tom Telesco said at the combine that this was a priority. Yeah. And he put his money where his mouth is, literally. He went out, he made deals, he signed players, he traded for players, and he's revamped this offensive line. Um, and, and like Jeff said, you know, like they, they wouldn't outwardly say that the offensive line was bad, but the, I think the moves indicate that's what they thought of the group, and they went out and they, they did something about it, you know, significantly. I'd like to throw one more point in on that. So obviously they traded Russell Okung, their left tackle, for the last few years. If you look at the cap hit he was going to have for the Chargers this season, and you look at the cap hits from Trey, or for Trey Turner and for Brian Balaga, it's pretty close to dollar for dollar. So, you know, Russell Okung, extremely talented. They are going to miss him. But if you can turn that cap space into two high-quality offensive linemen, it's a very strong move by the general manager. Absolutely. So as we said up top, five total free agent players that this team has either signed or agreed to terms with at this point. Two on offense so far, three on defense. We'll talk about Chris Harris Jr. now, going from the no-fly zone to the Jack boys. He's obviously extremely familiar with this Chargers team, just given his eight years he spent with the Denver Broncos and playing each other and, and all of that there. But whoever wants to take this, just how do you overall see him fitting in in this Chargers secondary? I can take it. Take of it course. away. Yeah. So, th honestly, this is the most – sorry to jump in, but I would have some thoughts on it. <laughs> <laughs> Very unlike me, right? Um, so unlike this you. Was, yeah. So, th <laughs> this is the most surprising move for me of free agency because Chris Harris, despite playing outside last year, is at his best when he's defending the slot. That's where he's made a name for himself. That's where he earned his all-pro. And that's where he wants to play and where he should be playing, frankly. The weird part <laughs> is the Chargers already have – a really good slot corner on the roster and Desmond King, a former all pro slot defender. So the question is what happens now? Does Chris Harris play outside? Does he play inside and Desmond King moves to a different role? Um, it seems based on what Chris Harris has said in various interviews that he's expecting to play in the slot, which means Desmond King is going to move to a different position. Both safety spots are pretty much locked up. You know, Desmond King has the ability to play safety, but Rayshon, the, the coaches love him. Um, and think that he's the starting free safety of the future. Obviously, Derwin's at strong safety. So where exactly does Desmond fit in here? Um, you know, my I, the idea I have is that Adrian Phillips is gone. He was playing that sixth defensive back role in dime packages. Um, and Desmond King is a similar type player, tackles as well, hits hard, has that kind of physicality to play that position. Is that where he fits in? The only question with that, of course, is that that dime package defensive back doesn't play a ton of snaps. So you're looking at maybe Desmond King – Going from playing 40 to 50 snaps a game down to 15 to 20 snaps a game, is that how Gus Bradley wants to do it? It's really interesting to see how it works out and where everyone's playing. Um, you know, in my mind, it would make a lot of sense to have Chris Harris play outside, play Desmond King in the slot, and that way you upgraded all your positions because, in my opinion, Chris Harris would be an upgrade from, from Michael Davis. Um, but it's going to be fascinating to see how that works out. I think one benefit to him coming in is the fact that he's reunited with Ron Miles, Chargers defensive backs coach, who was his DB's coach in Denver, his first two years in the league. So if there's anyone who has a good idea as to where he fits in, it's Coach Milo. But Jeff, similar to Balaga's tie with James Campen, just how beneficial is that to have that familiarity there? Well, you see it all the time in the NFL, right? I mean, you see it in other sports too, but this this league especially, you – you know, as soon as, uh, you know, as soon as Campen came on board, 
it, how long was it after that where people started talking about Balaga coming, joining the Chargers? I mean, it, it's such a natural tie. And, I, you know, in this, in this sport especially, we always hear about trust and about, you know, having that, that familiarity. I mean, that's why I think Anthony Lynn is so comfortable with uh, Tyrod Taylor, the idea of Tyrod Taylor. While some people aren't comfortable with that idea, uh, you know, I'm, I, Anthony Lynn is very comfortable with it because he knows Tyrod, and Tyrod started for him before. So he knows exactly what he's getting, exactly what it's going to look like. So that, all that, those, those ties are very important. And, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I mean, Harris has been in the league for a while now, and, and that was one of the things he mentioned in some of these interviews that Pop talked about where he, he mentions you know, that he's going back to his, his original D, you know, mm -hmm. DB coach, which is interesting. I mean, he's been in the league a long time, accomplished a lot, and yet he still remembers, you know, who one of his coaches from when he first got in the league. So just that alone tells you how important that is. Gil and Jason, I want to ask you guys about just the versatility in, in the secondary and the fact that you're in a division – with the Kansas City Chiefs. And obviously the, the Broncos are loading up a little bit offensively. You know, the Raiders are probably going to do the same. Um, we talk about offensively trying to, you know, outscore a team like the Chiefs. But how about trying to neutralize their offense? And they have a lot of pieces now. And it may look different week to week based on what Popper was talking about. When you have a guy like Desmond King who could probably play safety in the slide. Chris Harris could play outside, inside. And then you have Derwin James who could play essentially anywhere. So – uh, the, when you talk about a, a secondary, one of the best in the league, Chargers are building towards that. Yeah, yeah it's almost a – oh, sorry, Gil, go ahead. Go uh, ahead, Jason. No, go ahead. Okay. But it, it is starting to look like almost like a positionless basketball team in terms of that, that secondary. And it's not even just what Popper said with Desmond King being able to move around. It's also Derwin James can play almost literally anywhere. And they, we saw him do that last season, you know, when he came back from his injury. They were lining him up almost like an edge rusher as a linebacker. So if Gus Bradley really wants to get creative, and he has the tools now to do so, he can even just move uh, Derwin James down, play more linebacker, and then free up some of those spots in the secondary for all that excess talent. And this way, you do fill some holes closer to the line of scrimmage while still being able to use all of your talented players in, in the back four or five. That was an amazing analogy. The positionless basketball team. That's the perfect <laughs> analogy for what the secondary is going to be. Seriously, that was awesome. Oh, a compliment wow. from Popper does not happen very often. Wow. That, <laughs> Take it. Yeah, I don't know. Gil, Gil, you're going to have to top that now. Yeah, I don't, have I don't, to top I don't that. even know what to say. Just, but uh, Derwin James, uh, what can I say after that? I don't know. But Derwin James can do everything. I can say that. Derwin James was a, a, a guy you, you didn't really have there for the start of the year, and you bring him back with Chris Harris. I know you don't have Adrian Phillips there, but I think Chris Harris and Desmond King could do a lot of what Derwin James could do. But I forgot what I was going to say because Jason took everything I wanted to say. So I'll move on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gil. Don't, don't forget about Nas Adderley. There you go. These right. guys have another – we haven't even seen – you know, we've seen what he could do in one preseason game. If he comes back and does some stuff, I mean, that secondary is really good. I mean, I, and I think Pop was right. I don't know if any of us – seriously, did anybody see the Chris Harris thing coming? I, I didn't. I that I was, thought they I would sign an outside corner. Like I thought they, yeah. I thought they would go after maybe Trey Waynes or Ronald Darby or somebody like that just to compete outside. I did not see them splurging on the best slot corner. No, and they got a good deal. Yeah, so yeah. I, we're we're seeing a theme with guys like you know, Camp and Bulaga, Milo, Chris Harris, and, and just a couple of fact that Chris Harris is a Super Bowl champion, a former All Pro, and he knows this division from a quarterback perspective better than anybody. Yeah, well, that, that's the point you made, Chris. That's 100% in the minds of all these guys, whether it's Tom Telesco, Anthony Lynn, the coaching staff, Ron Miles, Gus Bradley. I mean, they're all thinking about how do you stop the Chiefs? That's, how, that's what everyone's thinking about in the league. 
that this is the team to beat and you're playing them twice a year. How do you beat them? And in their mind, having as many talented defensive backs on your roster as possible is a way to get there. And it makes a lot of sense because you can do a lot of different things. You need tackling and you need speed. And the way you do that is you put defensive backs on the field who can tackle. Chris Harris fits that profile perfectly, which is why the signing makes sense when you put it in the context of playing the Chiefs. And you have a pass rush like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And another guy, Linval Joseph. Haley, I know you spoke to Cordy Cronin of mm -hmm. uh, NFL Nation, um, Minnesota Vikings reporter. What did she have to say about Linval? She had just said that basically he's best suited at the nose tackle position. And I think this signing makes sense or, or bringing him on makes sense when you lose a guy like Brandon Meebane. But it reminds me in a way, though, of in 2016 when Telesco brought Meebane on because here's a guy who's spent 10 seasons in the league already. So he's got that veteran presence about him to sort of come in. He's best suited at the nose tackle position. He's a great compliment to the guys on the ends. And I think in the sort of new reality that we're in, I had asked Courtney about this in terms of, look, you have guys again, like Chris Harris and Brian Balaga who have familiarity with their coaches. We don't know at this point what's happening with the off season program, but when you bring in a guy who's had a decade of experience in this league, navigating these waters and knowing as a pro how to handle yourself in the off season, let alone a very uncertain off season, will be beneficial to him because just again he's got that sort of wherewithal about him and Jeff you brought up a great point about kind of a red shirt year for Adderley how about Jerry Tillery he missed last offseason's program missed some of training camp and kind of got a later start I almost liken it to, to Mike Williams his rookie year missing all of the uh, the offseason when you have a rotation now with Tillery who you expect to make a jump Justin Jones, and now you add uh, a veteran like Joseph. Uh, that's a nice little rotation to start out 2020. Yeah, they, you know, the, this is a, one thing that's the situation we're in right now, this new reality is that uh, this offseason program was going to be huge for Tillery. I don't think there's any question about that because he missed so much of last year. And so if, if this gets pushed back and he's not able to, uh, he's not around the team, he's not able to do the, some of the stuff that uh, that that they want or it, it could you know it, it could conceivably hold him back some more but uh you'd expect him to to take a step forward and these guys really need him to take a step forward and also draft pick last year uh Cortez Broughton I mean we'll we'll got we'll get to see it, you know some of him we obviously he had issues last year with mono right if I remember correctly like I have that right yeah he was yep. the one who had mono right? you got it right Jeff you got it right thank you <laughs> so he we lost him for so long or the Chargers lost him for so long. So, uh, you know, he'll come back. And th those are guys that, again, they would benefit from this offseason program and where we're at now and what this offseason program is going to eventually look like. It, it could continue to kind of hold those guys back. So uh, that's something to watch. And that's something, you know, certainly in Tillery's case, the first-round pick, we're going to be – all of us will be watching really closely when the Chargers eventually get, do get back together and are, are doing team activities, whenever that is. Jason, how important do you think it was to replace a guy like Brandon Meebane, who was a captain, with another veteran like Haley was alluding to, a guy who's been in the league for 10 years um, and uh, has been around the block a little bit to help anchor that defensive line? It's not even just Meebane. I mean, all the guys who are playing substantial snaps at nose tackle are gone right now, or, or you know, they might come back later on in free agency. But at the moment, Linval Joseph absorbs all of that responsibility. And it's good for the team that – 
play that position at such a high level for a long time. And for the most part, he, he doesn't miss substantial time, which is very important because in most defenses, including Gus Bradley's, having someone who can really two-gap, it's, it's not a two-gap front primarily, but the nose tackle is going to take on a lot more. Having Linval Joseph there to really just take on so much of that offensive line pressure, it's going to be huge for the pass rush, and it's, it's everything that everyone else has talked about. Popper? Yeah, I just I wonder about the depth. Like I think the Linval Joseph signing was both important and one hundred percent necessary because you they didn't really have a nose a legitimate nose tackle, proven nose tackle on the roster before then. I wonder what who's backing him up. Um, Cortez Broughton obviously, as Jeff mentioned, is is you know in that depth chart spot now. Uh, the question is, do they bring a, back a guy like Damian Square, who filled in that nose tackle while Brandon Meban was out last year, played really really well, um, and can also back up Joey Bosa at the big end spot. Uh, the strong side of the defensive end spot um, or do they look to bring in another young guy in the draft there are some nose tackles that they could target on day three to bring in some competition with Cortez Broaden um, I think the Linval Joseph signing made a lot of sense um, my question now is okay what what do you do as far as depth and we'll, we'll see what happens and how that plays out over the next few weeks and obviously in the draft as well Gil the linebacker position Thomas Davis goes to Washington Nick Vigil from Cincinnati comes in, started 16 games last year. He's 26 years old. We're going to start to see a, a new look linebacking core, especially with the emergence of Drew Tranquil last year. Your thoughts on bringing uh, Vigil in? Yeah, that, the linebacker is still, I think, a need for them. Uh, you mentioned uh, Thomas Davis leaving, but I, I feel like adding more depth there is, is going to help out a lot. And then you're going to see a lot of Drew Tranquil now, especially with Thomas Davis going to Washington. So, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see more Kaiser White. Uh, Denzel Perriman is going to stay. But I feel like they still need maybe one more playmaker to add to the linebacker position. But, yeah, adding, bringing more guys are better. Uh, competition is always good. But I still feel like they need at least one more athletic playmaker. Maybe they can get them in the draft. Uh, but so far, when you got Perriman there and Tranko from when he did as a rookie, I think they're okay for now. Yeah, that's where that high traffic the Chargers have could really come in handy because there are actually a lot of really athletic linebackers in this class. So even if they don't go for a player like that at six, maybe someone like Clemson's Isaiah Simmons, you know, maybe at the back end of the first round if they want to trade in or in the second round, they really have options there. So yeah, it, Gil's right. It is an area of need right now, but they have plenty of resources that they can devote to that position before the start of the regular season. Yeah, I think they I think they need to add one more competitor at that will spot that's as far as who's gonna replace Thomas Davis. The question is what what do they do with Drew Tranquil? Because he was playing at the Mike spot at the middle linebacker. Perryman was injured and he was getting a lot of time there. He was playing really, really well at that spot. But now you bring you keep Perryman on the roster and you have Drew Tranquil too. You want to get them both on the field. And Anthony Lynn has said numerous times that they would be willing to move Drew Tranquil to the Will spot, weak side linebacker spot, and feel like he can play there. He didn't get any snaps there in season how will he you know acclimate to that spot over the course of training camp if it happens um is he the shoe in to start there will he be competing with competing with vigil and and, and with that in mind i think bringing in another like like gill and, and jason said bringing in another athletic linebacker to compete at that will spot which is needs a very athletic player and gus bradley's scheme would make a lot of sense whether it's another player in agency or more likely you know sort of in that day two day three spot in the draft
This is just a test. This is a this is a complete silence. I'm just seeing who's gonna. It's like a it's like a draw. It's like a western. Uh... I could have kept going. <laughs> I got no like one does that. Things on backlog. <laughs> I just have one thing. Uh, one thing I want to say about the linebacking situation is I'm looking forward to the start of training camp so that Popper can explain to me again how to identify who Will, Sam, and Mike, who these guys are. <laughs> Yeah, I still I've been Happy covering this for two seasons. I've been covering the NFL, and I still have a hard time figuring out who who's in what spot. So I'm looking forward to that part of the training camp. I remember those days fondly, me jotting on a notepad, Gus Bradley's scheme. It was great. I know. I can't wait till we're all together to do that again. I want to I want to keep this going weekly because I think it's gonna be fun for our fans, and especially as we lead up to the draft. Let's just end on this, and then we'll hopefully pick this up again next week. But off the field, some new logo. New new marks for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I want to get some thoughts, and we're going to start oh, with Popper because he's I'm already participating. By the way, by the way, I'm I'm deficient here. I got the old logo. We're waiting uh, on the I new know, gear. I know. We're waiting on the new gear. Um, but I, I think it's a real clean look, and I love that Popper <laughs> already has the smiley faces in the background. Let's start with you, Daniel. What do you think? I think it looks great. I mean, let's be real. Everyone loves the powder blue. Loves it. It's my favorite uniform probably in sports, to be honest. And I love seeing it on Sundays. And so it makes a lot of sense to, to pivot into that, to, to lean into that. It's what the fans love. It's what, the, you know, the rest of the league loves. It's what, you know, all the fans of the NFL love. They love seeing the powder blue. So it made a lot of sense. And, and you know, the bolt is so iconic. Like there was no reason to do a full change of the logo. When you have a great logo already, just fine tune it and lean into the things that everyone loves. So in that respect, I thought it was a, a huge success. Yeah. The subtle, it was just very subtle, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it looks clean. What about you, Jason? The best logos in sports are those that are simple and distinctive. And not that the Chargers logo prior to 2020 wasn't simple and distinctive, but it's even now simpler. It's just the two colors, but it's still the logo that everybody knows. Everybody attaches that with the Chargers. They could not have done a better job, in my opinion. Gil. I think for me is adding the Los Angeles part, that, that little bolt with the A at the bottom. That was pretty cool for me. Uh, they've been in Los Angeles for now four years. So, you know, throw that in there somehow. And it was, I know it wasn't, it was a little too much. I know that the bolt was not a, a change, but just adding the Los Angeles to the bottom. I thought that was kind of cool. Popped out a little more and keeping the powder blue with the sunshine gold. Is, is that what it's called? The color sunshine gold. That's, it. That's pretty cool. For me. Yep. Jeff, Jeff pointed that he, you found that out real quickly. The sunshine gold. That's the first thing I noticed. I love those. I love the. I love the color names. Just I'm making them up. I love it. Uh, the one thing I will say about the logo is uh, no one has compared it to any parts of the human body, unlike uh, the other team in LA, which is. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> I think the uh, the beauty of it is the uh, Chargers totally totally crushed the Rams in the uh, rebranding of the logo here this week. So I think the whole franchise sh- should be proud of that. I'm excited for the uniform release. What, what I want is like the 19, the 1972 uniform, powder blue tops, gold pants, and the numbers on the helmet with the Yes. Blue. Give me that. Yeah. that that's the move. Yeah, the, le- the less they do to the uniforms, I think, the better. And I think they're smart enough uh, that they won't uh, – we're not going to see some dramatic change. Although I do like Gil's idea of, of the uh, smiley face on the helmets for a Thursday night game. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like a color rush with the smiley face. Yeah, exactly. I'm Smells like Chargers football. That, I'm going to keep driving <laughs> that home. I'm going to try and make the smiley face a meme. I'm going to keep trying. Throw Let's it up. Go. Put yeah, it up again. Haley, you, right. Haley, you have any closing thoughts on the logo? Um, I 
spent an hour yesterday modeling variants of the logo with the Zoom <laughs> backgrounds uh, in my apartment. My cat made her chargers.com appearance. But if you would like, as Daniel is now uh, modeling, if you'd like to download any of those for your Zoom pleasure, uh, visit chargers.com because they're all up there. We got a SoFi Stadium one, but but I think it's kind of cool because this at least it's sort of as crazy <laughs> as this, look at this guy, as crazy right. as this new world that we're all just kind of trying to navigate is to sort of tie in what the team did with announcing the new logo marks and, and the type and all of that with something as tangible as a Zoom background that you can upload yourself is, is pretty cool. So hopefully we'll see more of that. I know we got some stickers on Instagram. The smiley face is a sticker on Instagram. So if you search, oh shoot, chargers or bolt up or something on, on Instagram gifts, I think you'll be able to get it. But just kind of bring, it brings everyone together in this time, which is what's most important as long as we're keeping our distance from each other at the same time. <laughs> yes, crucial. Yeah, we're, well, we're all keeping our distance. I didn't know how this was going to go. I thought it could be a train wreck with everyone talking over each other, but I give Wait. everyone an A plus because I, I think- I tried really was, hard. I tried really hard to stay quiet. I it, was, it was very well done. It was very well done. We're going to get this on the site for our fans. Um, you search oh, bolt up. You search search bolt, bolt up. up and there you go. There, look at this guy. This technology. technology. You know what? I, I want to ask you guys you one more it? thing before we leave. Oh, look at that. <laughs> one more thing. What are you guys doing? Are you? Are you any? Any books? Any? Any shows that you're watching to to kind of uh, keep the days rolling? Tiger King. The new doc on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, could, we, could go, we could go 90 minutes on that if you want. <laughs> I've already done two 1,000-piece puzzles. I'm reading Crime and Punishment and watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's how I'm that's passing very, That's a full sketch. And working. Yeah. yeah, and like writing about football, you know. <laughs> when I have some free time. Yeah, just, just a few recommendations for people who need shows to watch. Gil, what Gil said was great. T Tiger King is ridiculous and worth your time, but also you're the worst, not a show currently on the air, but you can find it on Hulu. It's hilarious. And the first season of righteous gemstones for people who like Danny McBride. Wonderful. Righteous gemstones is a, is, an, is a hit. It's amazing. Incredible. Ailey and I have talked about Joe exotic a few times. this week. Few times. <laughs> so there's a podcast about it too. Yeah. I listened to the podcast while I was driving down to Costa Mesa from where I live up in Hollywood. So the podcast is incredible. I don't know so how much I, I could take. I don't know how much more Joe Exotic <laughs> I can take. Or yeah. Jeff Lowe I can take. You haven't finished it? <laughs> oh, I finished it. Yeah. <laughs> so the, did uh, Carol Baskins do it? Listen, we can't, we can't spoil it for we the folks who haven't, exactly. who haven't seen it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And Jeff, I, I take Gail. it Jeff Miller has not seen it. Jeff, have you seen it? Uh, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> the Netflix documentary. Uh, the Netflix I did documentary. notice that Popper managed to throw in that he lives in Hollywood. Did you guys catch that? <laughs> I can what? see what the sign behind like, I live somewhere else? Well, I'm it's just like, saying. Where? You didn't have to say that. I'm not sure if you, if you lived in La Mirada, would you would say that? Would you? <laughs> I would say wherever I live. My address is in West Hollywood, so I'm going to tell people that I live in West Hollywood. All right. just uh, I just... Okay, that's cool. <laughs> really, I think what we've learned here is that none of none of this has changed. Even if we're all on Zoom, it's pretty much all the same. Yeah, it is. I just that's a good Popper to, I expect Popper to do it from his uh, his uh, Hollywood star on, on the Walk of Fame yeah. next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. There you go. They're actually they're working on it right now. It's a, it deemed essential. Oh. Yeah, essential. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, this was fun. 
uh, we'll, we'll do it again next week if we can get everybody together. It was, uh, I think it was informative and gives our fans a little insight as to what's going on in, in Charger land. Daniel Popper, Jason Hirshhorn, Gil Manzano, Jeff Miller, and Haley Elwood. I'm Chris Harry. Look at Daniel Popper here. Get that background on Zoom if you have conferences. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week.